Welcome to Force Points to the Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Eric Trexler and Erica Pierce to explore the latest in government cybersecurity news and trending topics. Always covered in 15 minutes or less. Now, let's get to the point. Hi, and welcome back to To The Point Cybersecurity. I am one of your hosts, Erica Pierce, and joined, of course, by Eric Trexler. How are you doing, Eric? And I'm doing great, Erica. So we are still recording live, if you've been joining us the past few weeks. Um, we have our guest here who has been a guest before, Mark Helton. Thank you, Mark, for joining us. You're welcome. You're welcome. Happy to be here. I'm not supposed to say it, but my all-time favorite podcast, and we've had some good ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you're not supposed to say that, That's okay. <laughs> but it was a good one. I will. <laughs> it was awesome. Thank you. I, I will say that, but if you're a, a previous guest and listening right now, they're all our favorites, right? Like children. <laughs> I actually have a favorite favorite children, but that's okay. I don't think I'm supposed to say that either. No, you're not. So, Mark, you just spoke um, on a panel that I love the title of it, so I just want to say it. It was called Walking Upright and Right Through Your Door. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I first saw that on the agenda a couple of weeks ago, I had I was like, what is that <laughs> about? But it was about insider threat, right? That's right. That's, that's right. That was, was. The, the concept. And so just in um, doing a little bit of a, a deeper dive, um, I was just looking up what is the true definition of insider threat? And so the way that it's written um, on Wikipedia, and I'm just joking, <laughs> but the way... The ultimate but, source. Yeah, the ultimate there. source. But this is, it's, it's defined um, in most places as a security threat that originates from when the organization being attacked or targeted, often had often an employee or officer of the organization. I kind of jumbled that a little bit. I'm sorry. But yeah. it, is it that simple, though, in terms of insider threat, that concept? Well, yeah, it, yes and no. Uh, actually, I direct people if they want to find the uh, definition for insider threat, not to Wikipedia, but to <laughs> the Intelligence and National Security Alliance has the official uh, definition. If you go and look on the website under insider threat, you'll find it there. It's one that was agreed to by the DNI. Uh, the definition that you um, articulated, of course, speaks to the fact that insider threat is about betrayal of trust, principally. There uh, is that word again. Yeah, yeah. we've trust. had a theme the past trust. few weeks. It is, it is betrayal of trust, somebody who abuses the trust put in them. And now, of course, in, in the government, that's fairly clear, right? I mean, you take an oath of office, you take an oath of service to the Constitution, preserve and protect. If you violate that oath, that's demonstrably clear. In private industry, of course, it is also clear, even if you don't take that kind of oath, you sign all sorts of agreements, and, but you also take a, a moral commitment to the organization that you join, not to betray that organization's trust. Uh, one other thing I'd say about insider threat, we're talking not only about currently serving people in an organization or agency, we're talking about former people mm, that's in point. an organization or agency. People who walk out of an organization and agency with knowledge in their head or so all too frequently on a thumb drive mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. else and then transfer. It's a big challenge for industry, but also for government. We're starting to see more. I mean, we've seen articles on Apple. We've seen articles on Tesla. We've seen it more around the insider and it's become much more public. Mm-hmm. In addition to we've seen the articles in the paper and the press on government. Right. Is it is it becoming more is our awareness level increasing? Is it more sensationalized that, that the media is picking up on it? Or is it just becoming a greater and greater problem? Well, I think there's, there's several reasons for it. One is that people are becoming aware, more aware of insider threat as a problem. But the, the main 
reason is because the nature of the threat has changed. And we're talking principally about China here in most of these cases, if you're looking at Apple or GE. Mm -hmm. Uh, industrial espionage. Industrial espionage. But uh, one point that always needs to be made is the government executes national security, but the strength of national security in the United States rests upon the entire nation. Right. Finance sector, industry, uh, business writ large provides that national security strength. That is the power of the United States. The adversaries of the United States understand that much more clearly, frankly, than, than, the, United, than, mm -hmm. than the Americans. Americans don't think think about that. Because we have it. It works. Well, well exactly. And we don't see it. It's difficult, I think, for Americans, uh, unless you're in time of war, explicit war, to ex to recognize threat. Americans are trusting people. We have democratic principles, and uh, we tend to um, trust others. Now that that's generally a good thing in life. You you want to be theory, trusting. Yeah, right? <laughs> you want to be trusting people. That you should always. But in the uh, insider threat world. Uh, you want to have a little bit of trust but verify, the old Russian saying, mm -hmm. right? Trust but verify. And the, uh, the, the issue that you're, you're talking about here with some of these cases coming to the fore, it's a function of volume. The Chinese are much more aggressive mm -hmm. in attacking the United States. I'm taking China as a, an example, and China is the principal example. But there are many others. And, but there are many others. And uh, that um, we're also turning our defenses a little bit against them those defenses that we have in place, whether it's right. federal space or uh, industry, particularly true in the defense industrial base, because if you're, if you're China and you're going to penetrate a U.S. defense program, you can go against the Department of Defense or you can go against a classified agency. That's You might get something, but it's hard. You, you might want to go against other aspects of U.S. industry that are less well protected where the research and yeah. development of the supply chain mm -hmm. exists. And, right? and we've seen the articles, I think the Wall Street Journal's mm -hmm. had a couple in the past month or so mm -hmm. about going after the second tier sub supplier. Sure, sure. absolutely. Right? Because absolutely. they're softer targets. Well, absolutely. And, and the, the uh, foreign intelligence services understand quite well that how the United States process works. I mean, the United States is an open system, and I'll pick on the Chinese because they deserve to be picked on, uh, you know, they have, they have a history of spying on the United States, and that history uh, rested on the thousand grains of sand concept where they would send uh, researchers, students, legal travelers over to the United States, pick up information, take it back to China, and sort of aggregate it. They've combined that now with much more sophisticated attack, but they understand the methodology. Mm -hmm. The methodology is the information that's at a lesser level, whether it's uh, universities, uh, business, national labs, all of that might be less hardened and easier to get than if you go against a federal agency or even some of the more um, sophisticated uh, defense industrial base companies. companies. Yeah. How, how great is the difference? So as a as an insider threat, I can I can seal data, mm -hmm. go back to my nation that I came from, mm -hmm. give them that intellectual property, mm -hmm. and, and they much more rapidly develop right. technology, right. capability, whatever on their own. Another component that I've noticed or I, I've researched and studied is I could go to school in the United States. Right. I could learn technology from the best schools in the world. Mm -hmm. I could go work at a defense industrial base organization mm -hmm. or a government agency. And then I could go back to my home country right. with a ton of information. And one of the one of the components I've, I've, I've not figured out, quite frankly, is, is it better in the immediate to take this big bulk block of information? Or 
Is it better over time to get educated and learn critical thinking and understand, you know, a subject, technology, subject matter of uh, expert area of expertise or whatever it may be, and then go back and teach others and have a lifelong background and skill set in that? Is it the same problem? (laughs) Well, yes, it's the same problem, but the adversary doesn't have to choose. They do both. But one is pretty legal. Yeah, well, for the most part, one is legal and one is not. You mean taking the knowledge back? And, and if, yeah, if, I, if I apply for a visa, I come yeah. over here, I, sure. I go to school, yes, I get educated, That's taking I work. advantage of the U.S. system. Mm-hmm. And China is incentivizing return. In the, I'm taking China again. But they incentivize return by their students that come to the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, and a large number of them want to stay here. They come to the United States. It's a great place to work. Develop. So they lose some. They lose some. But they're incent- increasingly trying to lo- bring those people back to China and put them back to work. Uh, and sometimes they carry actual knowledge back with them. Right. But the knowledge in their head is uh, is an important uh, an important advantage. Right? Like, like I said, I, I can't figure out the balance there. But to me, both seem very damaging. I almost feel the education piece is a long term strategic. Yeah, we're scaling, challenge. Yes. right? Yes. You yes. steal it. You, you yeah. steal a uh, you know technology drawings. That's that's damaging. There's no question. Well, we we receive now in the United States, of course, is the discussion on the Hill over the Confucius societies, which effectively are. Chinese-funded centers operating on universities, yeah. uh, and the, the goal there clearly is to uh, to uh, shape the dialogue and discussion on those universities about issues related to China, but also to spot and assess potential recruits, or to make sure that uh, ethnic Chinese students who are working or at the university stay in line, right? Keep them close to the to the mother country and have them go back. That's so, that's the goal. So, in, in both of those scenarios, what 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 do we do? What How do we do? do? We, yeah, what do we do? Always the question. Eric. We always <laughs> get down to what do we do? <laughs> yeah. Well, in in the in the issue of engaging academia and the Confucius Society, some of that's being taken is is taking place on the Hill, and there are bills being introduced right. to re, re, reduce the activities of Confucius societies, where money is being taken by universities from uh, effectively a Chinese government front to uh, support nation-state funded activities. Yeah, nation-state mm-hmm. funded activities. Uh, so there are things that can be done legislatively. If you look at the, the issue of uh, students or people come over here and decide to stay in the United States and work for a while, there are things that companies can try to do in terms of uh, the, the terms of their employment and the like. Uh, that can be done if they're, if they're still a, a Chinese national. Um, but the challenge the United States has is you can't, you don't want to give up you're, you don't want to defend your by by, vir, by virtue of defending yourself. You don't want to give up what you are. Mm-hmm. You know, Agreed. and that and that that's Our the core that, That's right. that's it. And the United States has always been much better uh, for it, right? For recognizing those principles, uh, even uh, even understanding that it comes at some risk. Uh, but you have to take prudent steps within the realm of that without violating those principles to try to defend the country. And there's always a balance. There's always going to be a balance. Will we be better in the future retaining those principles? Retaining the principles? uh, We will, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, You can't, the United States' greatest advantage has always been freedom, openness, Mm -hmm. defense of individual rights. Those are the things that attract people to the United States, whether they're Americans understand them and they don't they don't always recognize them but uh, 
the foreigners coming to the United States. That's a great, a great advantage for us. People that come legally to the United States become American citizens and, and grow the country. That's great. Um, and we have to defend those principles. They're, they're also a great strength abroad, too. I can say that when I worked as a CIA officer, the greatest strength that I had was the fact that I represented the United States. Yeah. You walked in a room and you represented the United States, mm -hmm. and people knew immediately right. what you represented, right? Uh, you know, people always talk about spying, about money, and all the rest of that. All, all that's the, uh, these sort of uh, tools. But the greatest strength that I always had was the moral strength of representing the United States. And people understood that quite well. Erica, we're ending on a high note. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's you're right about that. It it's, uh, makes you proud. So yeah, well, thank you, thank you for thank you. Thank your you. service. Thank as well. you very much. And thank you for being on the podcast this week. I mean, this has been a great conversation, Mark. We had a, a great uh, Eric's favorite podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I'm still and waiting on so, what do we do? <laughs> right. <laughs> that, well, that'll be part two, right? Yeah, part, part two, three. three. Yeah, part, part three. three. Yeah. So okay. thank you, Mark. Um, thank you, Eric, and thank you to myself as well for, <laughs> for being here thank this you. week. And thank. Thank you to all of our listeners out there who have tuned in and please continue to um, subscribe to the podcast to give us ratings and to listen next week. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit www.forcepoint.com slash govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or the Google Play Store 